introducing The Sound of Design with Mark and Dan, the podcast that takes you on an exhilarating journey through the captivating realm of custom technology. Join us as we unveil the sensational tales of Nashville's very own dynamic duo of AV designers. Don't miss out on this thrilling auditory expedition into the mesmerizing world of custom technology. All right. Well, welcome to The Sound of Design with Mark and Dan. And uh, today is an exciting episode. I am very, very, very happy to say we are going to talk about outside technology. Outside? Outside. Outdoor. No way. Patios, grilling areas, uh, all of the things that we are going to be enjoying here in the summer. And uh, I know it's a great time of year. You know, it's getting warm and people love to spend a lot of time outside as the weather gets a lot nicer. And the more and more time you spend outside, the more and more you realize that your technology tends to sort of follow you out. <laughs> right, uh, right. So you can enjoy the things that you enjoy inside, outside. And I figure probably the best place to start is uh, probably outdoor uh, TVs and outdoor uh, projection systems. And I think the reason why I want to start there is because putting that TV outside has become so popular, especially here in Tennessee. Everyone has these screened-in porches or these decks and it's like they're already pre-wired in a lot of cases and so you've got you know a cat or and a, and a coax sitting out there and you know maybe there's a fireplace and so you know how would you mark start the conversation around putting a tv outside first of all what do you what kind of tv do you put outside <laughs> sure sure so you know it, it's one of those things that I, I know you and I have both got this question a million times is, hey, I want to put a TV outside. Why wouldn't I just put an indoor TV outside? Something yep. something that I can just go spend a few hundred dollars on, bring it outside when I, when I want to. And if it's going to rain or be nasty out, I'll just bring it in. And sure, I'm not here to tell you that, you know, you can't do that, but... Let me tell you reasons why I wouldn't. First sure. thing, uh, it's not made for outside. So whether it's you know rain or anything like that, sure you're not going to just leave it out in the in the rain. But you know you don't think about dirt, dust, humidity, bugs, yep. other things getting inside of it that can build a nest or something and cause electrical issues or you know other hazards. Now we're not insurance professionals, so don't. Uh, don't attack us on anything, but uh, <laughs> really, like uh, honestly, I tell designer. <laughs> yeah, work work with your designer, and honestly, if it comes down to it, your insurance person, I make sure that it's okay for you to do this before you just put an indoor TV out there. But that being said, uh, put it out, putting an outdoor TV outside makes your life a lot easier. Uh, I have one on my back patio. Um, I've had it there since before the pandemic. And uh, it's not like I watch it every single day, but it's one of those things where I know if I walk outside right now and I hit on, it's going to work and it's ready to go. I don't have to worry if it's going to rain or snow or anything along those lines. So, so I don't have to worry about going and bringing it in. I just go out there and it's ready for me to, to, to turn on. Um, 
I've got it connected to some speakers. So literally I turn the television on, it syncs up with the audio that's outside and boom, I have that outdoor entertainment experience without having to worry about, you know, do I need to get it out of the garage or make sure that it actually works before game day? It's already ready to go. Yep, absolutely. Well, and I'm I'm glad you said that because I, I get that question all the time and I've kind of gotten into the habit of saying, you know, we probably go 50-50. People who do traditional TVs outside, you know, indoor outside, and they have to sign the waiver. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're, you can't just say, hey, go do this thing. And we're like, I'm sorry, we're not going to be responsible for that. Um, and And a lot of folks, quite honestly, the number one complaint when they do that is how dark the picture is. And you think about it, it kind of makes sense. You're outside and it's bright. There is this thing called the sun. The good Lord made yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and to to date, I have yet to see an indoor television get bright enough to compete. And so it goes gray and dark. Now, if you're watching only at night, okay, yeah, I understand that. You know, you're but who's going to watch an outdoor TV at night? Most of what you're going to be doing is going to be sports. So you know, Saturday football, it's 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock, and we're going to go out and we're going to watch our favorite sports team um, from our uh, alma mater. And that is going to be when the sun is at its brightest. And so if you go to an outdoor television and you look at it, my favorite example was we had one in a showroom. We're looking at the outdoor TV from Samsung, mm-hmm. and there was next to it another Samsung that was in indoor television. And every client that walked through goes, why is that one so bright and awesome? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're like, well, that's designed to go outside and compete with the sun. And it does, quite honestly. It was it was pretty cool. So uh, absolutely do an outdoor uh, television. If you don't do a TV, Mark, um, what else would you do for video outside? Yeah, so... It really kind of started right after, you know, the lockdown from COVID was lifted, but you had a lot of folks that were entertaining outside and not just your traditional, hey, you know, we're having a cookout, come over and hang out, but they wanted to kind of bring that movie theater experience outside so, you know, their kids could maybe have a party or something along those lines and, you know, be as safe as possible and not be indoors. Um so uh, I did probably two or three actual professional, you know, projection systems where we had a 360 degree rear projection screen that, wow. you know, it really was more focused towards evening and nighttime viewing because obviously the sun is the brightest projector that's out there, okay. like you were saying earlier. So you're not really going to be able to counteract the brightness of the sun during the day with this, but for those big movie night experiences, you put a projector inside of this one. The what the first one I did was inside of a box that was outdoor rated. So it was designed to, you know, keep the projector as protected as possible. They don't make an outdoor rated projector as of right now or this recording. So you do have to realize that there is a possibility that with heat and everything, that that projector isn't going to last as long as, you know, it would indoors. Yep. But, uh, the screen was a, uh, it was an outdoor mounted uh, wireless retractable screen. So the client could, you know, bring it out at night, mount it to the place that we had uh, set for it, drop the 
the screen with a control system and it would sync up with, in this case, we had a landscape audio system, which I know we're going to get to here in just a few moments. Uh, so you could be sitting anywhere around the pool and hear the movie or whatever you're watching on the projector, even if you're on the other side of the pool, yep. uh, you could hear it just as if you were sitting next to the screen itself. So that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I, we did a, a system for a guy a few years ago, again, pre pandemic, I want to say actually 2018, something like that. And same kind of an idea. They bought the uh, lot next door and built a beautiful outdoor oasis. There mm -hmm. was a pool house and a 70 foot pool and fire features and seating area and outdoor kitchen and TV and all that kind of stuff. And the, the client had this uh, sun deck right in the water and he wanted Ooh. to be able to watch uh, outdoor movies while sitting in the pool. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Like, we should absolutely do that. <laughs> um, and so for him, it wasn't uh, an everyday experience. And so we didn't do anything permanently installed. But we did have that projector. We uh, found a spot that we could uh, put a shelf. We built a shelf for it so it would sit right there. And we did uh, something called a fast fold. Same thing, 360-degree screen. So the projector sits behind the screen, faces towards that actual uh, screen location, we lined it up so that way the throw distance was exact from where the shelf was to where the screen would be that would line up with the edge of the pool house. So it wasn't like you had to, you know, build it every single time, but you did, they would move it out and, and set it up. And I mm -hmm. say probably, I don't know, three, you know, three to six times a year uh, when they have, you know, big events and then functions and things like that. And all the kids are over. Um, and same thing. We tied it into landscape audio through a control system. So you press a button and the sound from the uh, Roku goes into the receiver and the receiver kicks out to the outdoor system. And there was another amplifier that we used because the style of outdoor uh, landscape system that we used. And then uh, the image went on screen. So you could be watching a movie and we did at 10 o'clock at night. We were watching Top Gun <laughs> in the pool. <laughs> that had to be awesome, though. I mean, oh. it, it, it's it's there's nothing like it. I mean, we've done you know hundred thousand dollar theaters, but being outside in the pool and watching a movie, like to me, there's just nothing better. It is truly an experience. It is truly an experience. Well, yeah. now that uh, we've sort of outlined a couple different options for. Um, putting TVs or, or, or project projectors outside, um, why wouldn't you use a, uh, let's call it a budget-friendly projector and maybe a blow-up screen? I mean, I know there's a lot of folks who say, you know, we're going to do it for the kids. I don't want to spend a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. What is the difference between something like that and even just like a basic NHD projector? You know, not a sure. presentation, but, you know, still 1080, yeah, I mean, it, it really kind of goes back to what you, we were comparing indoor and outdoor TVs to. You know, it's kind of the same thing. A lot of those projectors, you know, if you go into any retail store, a lot of the projectors that are on hand are typically data projectors, which are usually high lumen projectors, but they aren't designed for... Uh, a not designed to be outside or to be you know really moved around a lot. They're kind of designed to be permanent, kind of fixated in a in a 
conference room or something along those lines. And they're usually designed for a four by three aspect ratio mm. or, you know, maybe max 720p. So when you're talking about resolution, yeah, you're going to get this hooked up outside and uh, you're not going to get the detail that you're used to, which is why I think a lot of folks still look at projection. They see a lot of folks do this, do something like this at their buddy's house or whatnot. And they think, oh, projection isn't as good of a picture or something along those lines. And, you know, believe me, it, you can get as good a, a picture of a, as a TV if you do it right. So the point being is that if you're wanting to get the quality that you pay for from the services that you're utilizing. So you know, like, like if you're watching Netflix, almost everything Netflix makes is 4k, right? right? So you're, you're already starting at a lower resolution, lower quality. And if it's going to be something that you're going to be using quite a bit, you will notice the difference in spending a little bit more money. And yep. Well, and I think the other problem that needs to be brought up is that the audio connections are not always thought through. So I have this conversation. Yep. Um, I would say, you know, once uh, once a month or so, uh, you know, somebody walks in and says, you know, I want to put a projector outside and they've already bought it. Right. 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 OK, well, how do I hook this up to a speaker system? And you look at the, the model and you go, yeah, there's no output for audio. It's just the two inch speaker that's built into the projector. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, so there's nothing that you can do audio wise. Um, there is no Bluetooth speaker that can connect uh, to that projector uh, without any kind of a delay. And the reason for this is that Bluetooth is a delayed audio format. It's designed specifically for music where there's no picture or video sync. And so what happens is you look at doing a uh, maybe a presentation projector. It doesn't have the correct audio function built into it, and so you can't hear it, right? It defeats the purpose of having a movie experience because now there's 50% of our experience, our sound, is gone. Right. And there goes your your total experience, right? Because now you you know you got a lot of folks coming over, maybe ex wanting that movie experience or at least being able to hear it, and now you don't even hear it, or if you do, it's out of sync, and that's not you know a great experience. Yeah, you get the kung fu movie effect, and you're going, hmm. Yeah, well, maybe we'll just stay home next time. <laughs> <laughs> We actually, uh, we actually have a here at our park once every month or two. They have a movie night, and it's kind of in that same. That's there's a reason why I don't go. It's kind of in that same thing. You right. get the the kung fu movie effect, and I've even talked to the the folks there. Like, hey, I'm I'm willing to lend a hand. I've got some equipment. I'll just bring over, and you know, I I don't know if I've warmed up to them yet, but uh, we'll get there. Yeah. Well, you know, there's going back to our uh, some of our previous episodes. You know, there's what we can do, and can I make it work? And is that the way we should do it, right? Right. And uh, even using uh, a projector where you have, you know, even HD, but it's designed to do a proper movie theater experience and a basic screen. I mean, uh, I'll just be real frank. We're not talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. A good projector you can get for fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred bucks. A mm -hmm. nice three hundred and sixty degree screen you can get in between five hundred and fifteen hundred bucks. So mm -hmm. I understand there's a cost there, right? 
integrating that into an outdoor you know landscape system yeah that might be another 1500 bucks there's going to be some things we should we should look at but does that mean that you know we've broken the bank uh, no no Not all really. things being all things being relative you know that's pretty reasonable to uh uh, to get a system like that started. So, all right, let's yeah. talk about uh, the audio side of things because there's a lot of different options for outdoor audio. We've talked about it twice now without being very specific. So could you kind of tell me a little bit about landscape audio and how that's different than a traditional in-ceiling or like an outdoor box speaker or something like that? Sure, sure. So I'm glad you brought up the the traditional set up there too so uh we mentioned in earlier episodes you know a lot of times you'll see a space that was wired for outdoor audio maybe your porch or patio or something along those lines but really that was just two speakers you know mounted to your house and you know that's great if you live in a townhome like i do where i've got a, a six by eight space that i can fill and i'm not going to be walking outside of that space but in a lot of cases, when you've got a larger, you know, backyard, maybe you've got a pool, maybe you've got a, a grilling area, those two speakers can become um, kind of annoying, honestly, because you have to turn them up much louder to fill that entire space. So if you have a seating area that's close to the house next to those speakers and someone else is out by the grill and their favorite song comes on, they've got to turn it up to 80 or 90 just to hear it. And the people by the house are getting blown away. Yep. So inner landscape audio, which is something that one of our, in my opinion, one of our best vendors, I, I don't know if we should name them, but uh, they developed several years ago and it was kind of designed around lighting, just like we talked about with indoor. So rather than having two speakers that you just have to crank really loud to fill a space, you have multiple satellite speakers that get placed around the perimeter of your space, creating a bubble of sound and pushing that sound back towards your listening area. Um, and by doing multiples, usually six to eight feet apart, you're able to create multiple little bubbles of stereo all around your space, and it makes the listening experience much better, and you can keep the volume at a very comfortable level. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so I just want to paint a picture here. Instead of two big spotlight speakers on the back of the house facing out, we're talking about six or eight speakers, maybe even a subwoofer that's on mm -hmm. the opposite side of the pool, the far side mm -hmm. of the pool. But now the audio is facing into the house. And this is so critical because uh, especially when you get into neighborhoods where the homes are built a little bit closer together, and you've got your neighbors, you know, within earshot, you don't want to be turning up and blasting your speaker system. And then the neighbors call the cops because <laughs> you're yep. that annoying neighbor. And so if yep. you face that audio and you face those speakers towards your house, now that stuff becomes moot point. You can turn it up to a very comfortable, even semi-loud, to be quite honest, volume and not disrupt any neighbors because all the energy is coming back to your spot. So it no longer becomes uh, an issue. And that means that you're going to be able to use them a lot more. And that means that the investment itself becomes a much greater value because I can use that instead of just once a week 
we can use that three times a week or four times a week. And now right. it's an entire summer and it's part of our lifestyle. And it's not just this nice to have, oh, I might do that, you know, three times a year or four times a year. This is a much, much, much more highly used uh, a type of an investment for your outside space. Right, right. And, you know, every house in Middle Tennessee is exactly how you described it for the most part. You know, they're built within a stone's throw of each other. So having something that you can kind of keep that sound in that space, enjoy it and not worry about, you know, the, are the cops being called because it's 1030 at night and I want to listen to my favorite music uh, is, you know, something that you really can't say in a lot of other parts of the business that we work in. I remember the first time that I set up our demo kit yep. and, you know, we turned it up to like 80% and you're like, oh man, this is awesome. And you step to the other side of the speaker and I mean, it, I'm not going to say you didn't hear it, but it was, it was like you took and put a box over it. Kind of like those old demos you would see in like the old boat stores and things like yep. that, where they take the box <laughs> off the speaker. This was like putting the box on the speaker, not muffling the, not muffling the actual sound quality, just the, the volume. Uh, and it, you know, you take two steps back the other way and it's like, Hey, this is like in my face, uh, incredible sound. And the thing is, is with some of them, you can, I know you mentioned six to eight speakers. I mean, you can do as many as you want. I know there's one project somewhere that they did 160 of them or something like that. So, yep. well, and you're getting a little bit out outside the high end, even residential, you know, with some of those numbers, you're getting more into the commercial mm -hmm. side of things. And I'll just sort of briefly mention some of the technologies that are kind of critical when doing this type of system, which is direct burial wire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is Sorry. very uh, important to mention when we talk about landscape audio. Uh, they are typically wired in series. And so just to translate that, it just means one to the next. So I have my first speaker, I run a wire to my next speaker, which I then wire to my third speaker, and so on and so forth. And a daisy chain is another word for that, um, if you've ever heard that term. The idea is that you don't have to run a wire to every speaker. And that's really actually very important. And the direct burial wire is unique in the fact that it also is designed to be outside, just like this landscape audio. This is permanent installation. Rain, snow, temperatures, all that kind of stuff is not going to affect the longevity of the speaker. Um, and this might sound crazy, but this actually goes all the way back. Uh, my wife read an article the other day about some business magnate, and I want to say it was uh, DuPont uh, back in like the <laughs> 20s and 30s. I mean, this is almost 100 years ago that had speakers around his pool. And I thought to myself okay. for a second, I was like, oh my goodness, this guy must have had an AV guy <laughs> <laughs> that was doing the design. We, our, our, our technology heritage goes back way further than I realized. <laughs> now I've got to um, look this up. That's incredible. Yeah, it was actually pretty sweet. Um, anyway, so this direct burial wire does not require a conduit. Uh, it is, these uh, speakers do look like landscape lights, and it's all low voltage, so you don't have to have an electrician come out to uh, do the installation. Typically, you'll put them in garden beds. They can go underneath mulch, you know, so you don't see any wires or things along those lines. Um, and this is one of those where uh, once it's installed, uh, you can typically control them 
from an app on your phone. Now, this only works if the app on your phone still is connected to your Wi-Fi. <laughs> yes. So tell me, You mean Mark, I can't use Bluetooth? Uh, well, it has a limited range, about <laughs> 15 to uh, 25 feet. Uh, line of sight, you might get 30, but if your amplifier lives inside, um, then uh, it's going to be pretty hard-pressed for you to you know, be on the far side of the pool and have that thing work. Right, right. Yeah, it ain't working. Yeah. You're going to have to walk back in the house. Uh, no, you, you, you brought up Wi-Fi. It's a great point. So, you know, we've, we, we talked about it in our Wi-Fi episode, but we had to bring it up here. Yes, you can put Wi-Fi access points outside. They are, there are outdoor rated versions uh, that, you know, in my opinion, are pretty inexpensive depending on the space that you want to cover. Um, but if you're talking, uh, you know, a 400 to 1,000 square foot space, or more, depending on the directionality. Most of these are pretty directional. Uh, you can cover that space pretty easily for, you know, less than six hundred bucks. Just pretty solid. Yep. Um, if you need more than that, then you're talking, you know, quite a bit more. But then we're talking about close to miles of range in some cases with some of these outdoor pieces. So if you've got a house and then a barn that's twenty five hundred feet away, we can get Wi Fi down there. Yeah. And I think for most applications, you know, that's probably not necessary uh, to to maybe go to that extreme. But if you have uh, access to the crawl space, right, which we have a lot of here in Middle Tennessee, and you can run an Ethernet wire, a Cat6 wire, from your router or switch uh, through the crawl space and come on outside and install that outdoor access point, that's just going to make sure that you have the same Wi-Fi outside as you have inside. And so... Uh, you don't have to sign into a different extender. There's no changing of the uh, the name or the password and uh, all that kind of fun stuff. It is all just automatic because it'll be the same network as what you have inside. So let's do uh, just a, a halfway back, back step, if that's okay. Uh, have you ever done in-ceiling speakers outside, and what are some of the things that we would look for there? Yes, uh, and architectural audio has become more and more prominent, and not that it's ever really gone away, but especially outdoors, I rarely see the two outdoor mounted speakers wired for anymore because you know it's usually on an eve and doesn't look good. Uh, so a lot of folks kind of go a different direction because they have a covered patio, a screen patio or porch, something along those lines, and we go with in-ceiling speakers. But usually no by you know, the two plates that are mounted to the ceiling, whether it's vinyl or beadboard or whatever it is that you have out there. The biggest, you know, thing that a lot of folks look at and think about is like, oh, I don't have to spend any money on these speakers. I can just put, again, an indoor rated speaker outdoors. And that's definitely not the case, even more than a television for two reasons. Reason one, they're going to deteriorate pretty quickly. Uh, usually it's paper or some other type of material, which is just as soon as that humidity hits it, it's going to damage it and destroy it. Absolutely. And the other one, which I think is an even bigger thing that a lot of folks overlook, is that the grill itself is mm -hmm. a lot of these are magnetic nowadays. They don't just they don't get you know bent into the the bezel anymore because there's most of these are bezel-less or have a very thin bezel. So it's a magnet. 
well, if there's any type of wind, it's going to get under that speaker grill and pull it right off. And now when people walk outside, you're going to see your speaker because your grill's gone. Uh, or that grill is going to rust pretty quickly because they're not designed to take the hu the humidity. There are specific outdoor rated in ceiling speakers that uh, you don't have to spend a ton of money on, but it's definitely worth the investment spending a, a few hundred extra dollars here or there to you know just make sure that's something you don't ever have to worry about. Uh, one of our speaker vendors uh, has their entire uh, in ceiling lineup as ip64 rated and so that goes yeah. from their entry level all the way to their highest end and so when i say you don't even have to spend more money to go with an outdoor rated speaker you just have to pick the right one <laughs> you're right yeah yeah you're right I completely um, forgot. Uh, we do uh, a lot of their uh, speakers uh, and from a design perspective this creates total uniformity right whether I'm inside or I'm outside, the music sounds the same. I don't have to do something special or different. I just have to make sure that um, we're picking the right one. So we, we know that the speakers are going to live outside. And we know that the Wi-Fi for our phones has to be outside. What about the amplifiers themselves? Do you wire them back to a cabinet? Is there a receiver? Are there any outdoor amplifiers? For a lot of these systems, there are not. Um, and I know that you can buy enclosures and other things, but amplifiers get hot. Yep. Very quickly, they get hot, especially these. They're they're designed to be, um, you know, fairly efficient amplifiers, but they're going to put off some heat. And if you put them in a spot, and so here in Middle Tennessee, I mean, it's it's going to be like 110 degrees. Feels like 110 degrees in like two days. Yep. Like it's going to just deteriorate the life of the amplifier. So. You know, we put it inside uh, as whenever possible. And even if it's not possible, we make it possible, right? Yep. Um, it's an investment you're going to spend, you know, in, in some cases you'll spend $2,500 on just the amp, depending on the quality of system that you put in. Do you really want to, to have to buy another $2,500 amp in a year and a half because it couldn't withstand the heat? Nope. No. I mean, let's put it in a, a climate-controlled space. Get it, get it inside with the other components. Uh, maybe centralize it, you know, uh, make it look good. The nice thing is you don't typically have to touch these once they're put in. So you kind of put it in a cabinet that you don't worry about and forget about it. Yeah, and I'll just piggyback off on that idea. Once one of these systems is, is installed, uh, most manufacturers, uh, and I say most, uh, have a lifetime warranty on these types of speakers. And uh, they're very good about uh, honoring that. Uh, so if your uh, lawn guy you know, makes a mistake and gets a little too close or something along those lines, um, I've seen uh, a lot of the vendors, quite honestly, take care of folks. And it doesn't mean that this is a universal, you know, this is not a system to take advantage of, but uh, I've seen them stand behind their product is really more of the point I'm trying to make because they want this to last a long time. Speakers are a long-term investment. This is not a chip-driven technology like the amplifier or the Wi-Fi communication or the watch that's on your wrist that's going to have a chip that's going to be replaced in the next two years. A speaker is a physical or mechanical technology. And all that really means is that you can run that speaker a lot longer. 20 years is not 
too long for a speaker's lifespan. Um, and that kind of sounds crazy. Like, what do you buy today that's a 20-year purchase? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Except speakers. <laughs> a house. A house, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and everybody knows this to be intuitively true. You go to someone's house, you walk in the garage, you know, to go grab something out of the garage fridge, like, you know, Coke or something like that. And you see this old set of speakers. And why didn't that guy get rid of them? He's like, well, they still work and they sound good. It doesn't matter that they're 30 years old, right? He's right. going like, but they're still speakers and they still connect to a receiver and they still play music. And so you have to think about speakers in a slightly different category, I think, uh, just because of their uh, the nature of what type of technology it is. We should have mentioned that in the audio episode. That's a great, that's a great analogy. Well, I'll, we'll go back to it because we're going to deep dive audio. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, we will deep dive audio. We'll get into some of that stuff. It'll be good. You know, I know we've talked about uh, a lot of the AV-centric technologies outside. Maybe we should get into maybe some lighting control. You know, So what are, what are some things that you've done around lighting control? Not just lights themselves, but maybe shades as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there are... Uh, two uh, or three different ways to do uh, lights outside. And if you talk with a landscaper, uh, they will typically have some variation of a low-voltage lighting system. Uh, they don't all do high voltage. Now, some cases, depending on the customization and the type of space that it's going to be, uh, they'll still run you know, high voltage to those. But uh, typically speaking, it's going to be low voltage. And there's different styles, okay, one of the ones that we've seen a lot more of recently are ones that are wired in series. So just like we said with those landscape audio speakers where you're wiring one to the next to the next, the lights do the exact same thing. You wire from one to two to three to four to five. And that all goes back to a main transformer. And then the transformer gets plugged into a receptacle. And that receptacle becomes kind of the linchpin of this design and that's where you put a controllable switch on your low voltage lights and that gives you the ability to turn them on and off set schedules and do all of the smart functionality that you want on that outdoor system and as you keep going with some of those uh, light brands you'll even get to a place where you can continue to control more and more aspects of them. And so what you typically will do is just design different zones depending on the scale of your project. If you've got one garden bed or you know, you know, something along those lines, we only want to have the lights go along that one area, fantastic. Let's say you've got a retaining wall and there's some other areas and maybe we've got two or three. Separate those out, make each one of them their own and uh, give yourself the ability to control those lights um, as individual zones, uh, no different than anything else. When you do that, you have to have some sort of a hub to get the Wi-Fi or the connectivity to that unit. So if your Wi-Fi doesn't reach, going back to that for a split second, your smart functions won't work because they're not connected. <laughs> right. Um, and if you have a brick house <laughs> and the Wi-Fi is on the other side of the house, that Wi-Fi is not reaching the brick. So you may have to run a wire, you know, very similar to uh, your pool controller or things along those lines. Uh, Cat6 needs to get over there so you can get uh, internet connectivity. So then the last part of that is 
you can then integrate outdoor shaded systems. And so this is uh, like uh, very similar to blinds or some other uh, variations of window treatments. But these are full-blown screens. And I love when we go uh, to put these in because it absolutely transforms the space. I, I don't know how else to say this. You go from having a sun at 4 o'clock because the architect correctly, by the way, wanted to give you the view of a sunset at 4.30 or 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. So you go outside to enjoy this sunset, and the sun is just melting your face. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going, is there something we can do here? Um, or maybe it's a function of privacy, going back to the fact that there's a lot of neighbors and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So we can put outdoor uh, shades for uh, like screened in porches or porches maybe that are not screened in yet. This is one of the ways you do that. Um, there's a bunch of different vendors. And if you get the same brand of uh, outdoor shade as you get from your lighting system, for example, then they can communicate on the same platform. Um, and that just makes their control very easy. So, Right, right. And I love that you mentioned, you know, transforming the space. Uh, I just recently completed a project where the, the porch was essentially accessible from three different sides of, of the house. It was kind of wedged into the house, if that makes sense. So there was like a, a door exiting from the, the formal dining room, a door exiting from the living room or hearth room, and a door exiting from their bedroom. So it was kind of like a U-shape around yep. this space. And there was just one exit out to the pool area. And these clients like to spend a lot of time outside. But just like we've mentioned before, it's the middle of, of the summer here in Middle Tennessee. And it gets really hot and humid. We can drop that shade. Uh, the, the particular one we, one we put in had tracks on it. So it literally seals off the space. We shut that, opened up the, the doors to those three spaces. And within 10 or 15 minutes, it was actually a comfortable, you know, probably 78, 80 degrees versus the 90, 95 yep. degrees that it felt like on the other side of it. And just think what that's going to mean in the wintertime when it's, you know, here in Tennessee, it gets down to a balmy 32, 33 degrees. It's not that cold. <laughs> it's not like up north. But, you know, think about that. You know, now you just created an outdoor space for the winter. So when it's you know, those fall and winter sports games, football, whatever it is, and you have folks over, you can still sit outside and use your porch, even heat that space, you know, and not have to worry about just completely closing it off for the for the, the whole season. Well, and I think that's one of the things that's so amazing about this idea, which is we're going to be outside. We just want to make it comfortable. And the elements do present a lot of challenges. And I love the fact that you brought up the other seasons because if you have an enclosed area or you have a space that can be dual purpose inside outside now gives you access um, to that space now if you really are serious ab about doing that you can get heaters and we've all seen them at restaurants right where they have an outdoor seating area and they have these heaters that go up in the corners well you can get a variation of that for the house and same kind of a thing. They require 110. Um, and this is the type of uh, an investment that gives you now access to the outside 
all year round. So you drop a shade, you throw on a heater, and before you know it, within five minutes, right, before people are coming over, you've now got a wonderful, comfortable, cool place to be outside where you can have your coffee or your tea or your adult uh, version of your coffee or your tea <laughs> <laughs> uh, and enjoy the outside with your friends and family um, watching a game, listening to music um, and knowing that it's going to be comfortable uh, and fun yeah. and, and easy to use. Yeah. And you know, I, I know you and I were at a, we were at a trade show. So back in March or April, Something one of bad. those months, um, and it was in it was in Orlando, Florida, and you think Orlando, Florida, spring, it's pretty much should have been summer already, um, and it was two days later, which is crazy. Oh, it got um, real warm, real yeah, fast. But, <laughs> but that night we flew in, and and we had uh, you know kind of a greeting, and a, and a, we got to see some of our vendors that were going to be at our trade show during the week for the training we were going to have. the The heater manufacturer that was there it was the first time any of us had really seen their product. And I think most of us were thankful that they were there because none of us brought jackets because we're thinking we're going to be in Orlando. It's not going to be cold. And it was, you know, below, it was probably around 60 degrees and 20, 15 to 20 mile per hour wind. So it was, it was chilly. Yeah. And we were all crammed up underneath these heaters. And, by, uh, and I say underneath this one actually was on an arm that hung over the space. Uh, and another that just kind of sat in the corner. And this was infrared heat, so it covered a specific square footage based on how we had it pointed. So there was probably at one point, you know, 10 to 15 of us standing in that space and feeling comfortable. Again, thank goodness it was there. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they they do a nice job. And I've seen some where they'll be inset into uh, the ceiling of the patio space itself. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only option. So just put in the back of your mind as you're working with your designer, you want to think about, well, where are we going to sit, right? We don't need to have heaters over the grill, okay? But we right. do want to have them <laughs> uh, in the uh, in the seating areas, and we don't want them facing the television, um, you know, same kind of a thing. And going back to the, the lighting control, if you put a big fan, um in that area as well to help keep things cool you don't want to have the heater right next to the fan so just practical conversational non-technical questions that you want to be thinking about um where are we going to be sitting what are we going to be doing maybe we should put the tv over the fireplace over there we should put the fan above that we should put the heater maybe off to the side and we should put the grill on the far side and make sure that the speakers go throughout. And it sounds like a lot until you realize that it's been properly designed um, and it works the way that it's supposed to. Exactly. So do you like to cook, Mark? I, uh, yeah, most of the time. It depends <laughs> on, I, I like to cook outside. We'll put it that way. You like to cook outside. Yes, what do you like do. to cook outside on? Uh, so I have a griddle, which is uh, a flat top griddle, uh, and I've had it. I got it right before the pandemic, and thank goodness I did because got to cook on that thing all the time. That's awesome. Um, you know, whether you're doing like stir fry or my favorite thing to cook is breakfast. The thing is now, you know, there's there are they're griddles, but instead of being stainless steel, where you do have to to make sure that you uh, season it properly and reseason and you know, honestly, that's my biggest 
gripe with mine is that you know the cleaning and the seasoning sometimes it gets old i can't just go out and turn it on and use it uh so we have ceramic outdoor griddles so cook just the same but you know the cleanup is a breeze you just turn it on cook and then wipe it down well and i've seen also there's been a new trend also uh for grillers and for smokers where uh they will have app-based thermometer control and yeah. so one of the things that you're going to do uh, with uh, your more popular smokers is have that sync uh, to an app on your phone. So uh, if you're going to be doing that brisket and you're going to try and do an 18-hour day uh, <laughs> and get that thing started <laughs> nice and early, you're going to want to you know keep an eye on that heat and make sure that it's exactly where it's supposed to be. Some of them are automatic, but... Uh, there's a, there's plenty of others that uh, are going to give you that alert right to your cell phone. And all of that is possible only if uh, you've got the Wi-Fi coverage in order to make that happen. So, um, well, we've covered uh, just about everything. And so thank you for listening. Please uh, like, comment, and subscribe. This has been The Sound of Design. With Mark. And Dan. And uh, I think we got it that time. That was very good. <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. That's great. Uh, we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys.